Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. And uh, yeah, we regularly meet with Ants and Lee, and um, it is wonderful to see what the Lord is doing and hear what God is doing here with you guys. Eh? Central is DV, Durbanville Central. Yeah, this building reminds me of when uh, the building that when I got saved, our church was meeting in so most similar. It's on the first floor of a sort of a business. And uh, in those days, 43 years ago, our church was called the Invisible Church um, because the only churches you got were denominations. You didn't get free standing churches. Thanks, Andre. You didn't get churches that um, just met in buildings like this. They all met in a church building. You, you went to church. You, you were not really, under, not a deep understanding that we are the church. It was more, we go to a church building. Let's go to church. Um, this morning, did you come to church or did you come to be the church? Because we are the church. We're the people. And so we actually got married in a building like this. Well, the same building. It was above a, I was trying to remember the name of it. It was Waring's Bakery, eh? It was above a bakery. And it was, wasn't as fancy as this one. It was a lot uh, rougher. Um, and we did our, our wedding in it, as I said, 40-something years plus years ago. And my old aunties were not impressed. This is not a proper wedding. There's no drink, only tea. Um, <laughs> Scott, got a Scottish background. And um, yeah, this morning I want to speak about, do you love the church the way Jesus loves the church? He's passionate about this, not about the building. He feels nothing for the building. You know, last week I was in Durbanville AM, and as you some of you are aware, they've just moved into a new building um, in December last year, and we've been waiting like 50, because Durbanville was the first plant out from Josh Jen. Josh Jen began in 99 in in Sunningdale, we were 15 people. Uh, we were part of that. Jan- last weekend, on a Sunday in January 1999, Andrew Selly, the Lord had called down to Cape Town to plant the church. He got up and said, this is our first official meeting. Here we're all sitting in his lounge, 15 people. Today, there'll be over six, 7,000 adults who will be meeting across the 40-something congregation. I've lost track now. It's quite hard to keep track of who we are and what we are. But we don't want our congregations to get bigger than this because we want everyone to be known by name. We don't want big mega church congregations. We, it's very earthy. We do church together. If you want to describe us as a church, we're doing life together. It should be. And where we're actually living and dealing with all the situations in life together as we do this journey. And so that's what it's about. And Jesus is passionate about this. He came to die for it. This was his dream. He, he dreams over this. He dreamt over this moment. But even today, we believe Jesus is in our midst. He's here with us. And... Uh, we used to sing that song, Walking Amongst Us. You know, he's walking. I think I always forget all the words. We get all my songs mixed up over 43 years of being saved. And, uh, but Jesus just loves us. He's passionate about it. And we've got to be equally passionate about it. Our hearts have got to be amongst God's people. The Sunday meeting, I always say, is not the meeting. It not, may not be the most important meeting of the, of the week in, as a church. A coffee you may have or a, a prayer time with someone that might be the most important church meeting that you have in the, in the week. Uh, this is a great meeting. I think when God's people come together to be able to worship Him, to be equipped in the, in the, in the Word, um, I think those are precious moments. But the reason we're doing this is to be equipped to go out because you are called to be the body. You are called to represent Him. Jesus is the head, and he's, this is His church. He says He's building His church, and He's given us the different giftings in order to bring the church to a place of wholeness and health. And I want to start in Ephesians. So I'm going to be jumping around a little bit. But most of our, virtually all our 
Our scripture will be from Ephesians. But I want to read from 4, verse 11 first. And I want you just to get something here. And then we'll backtrack and weave our way through this letter. Um, right. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. So are, you be, are you ready to be prepared for works of service? Um, Andrew and the team would consider myself as a fivefold pastoral gift. I'm part of that fivefold team with a, with a dash of apostolic, I suppose. But I don't, we don't, I don't want to define it too hard. and have to, we don't have, We're not into titles. It's more into function. What are we doing? We're functional gifts, um, not title gifts of rank. Um, and so I'm a particular gift, and everyone would come, everybody who comes here would, and ministers, whoever gets up and ministers, would bring a particular gift from God to bring us, to build us, to prepare us for works of service, so the body of Christ may be built up. Are you prepared to be built up this morning in, in, the, in, the, in God? Until we all reach unity in the faith. Are we there yet? Are we in full unity in the faith? Because this is something that God's aiming for. And in the knowledge of the Son of God, we're growing in our knowledge, not just head knowledge, but experiential heart knowledge. Um, and to become mature. Are you mature in God? Not just in physical years, but are you mature in God? Because mature people reflect Christ fully. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the fullness of Christ, if you're born again this morning, if you've, your spirit was renewed, you gave your life to Jesus at some point in, in, in this journey, in this life, and you said, Lord, here I am, I surrender to you. At that point, you, your spirit would be made alive. And you would have received the fullness of Christ. He didn't give you a, a portion. Okay, I'm giving you 10%. Uh, I'm giving you, yeah, you're a nice guy, I like your face, 15%. You know, he didn't dish out percentages of himself. He's, when you are renewed in your spirit, born again, you have the fullness of Christ within you. You have total and full access to every aspect of who he is. The fullness. There's no holding back in God. He was generous. He gave himself to us. Um, attaining, and then it says, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So you've been given the fullness, but have you attained the full measure, though? You've been given the wholeness of Christ, but are you walking in the fullness of that measure that He's given you? To what extent are you walking out and living out what God has poured into you? Now, it's hard to tell sometimes, you know, sort of working out where are we in, in the Lord in our terms of our maturity and our growth. And uh, how are we doing? How are we tracking in that? But the expression of your maturity in Christ will always be in your actions. Faith without actions is dead. Faith is, you've got to take that step out. No good just saying, I'm, I'm full of faith. I'm a man of faith. Have people say to me, and I'm an evangelist, you know. They are speaking of themselves. I'm an evangelist. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, how many people have you led to the Lord in the last year? Uh, nobody yet, but um, it's, it's coming, you know. We're getting there. Yeah, in the last 10 years. No, nobody. So it's, it's all very well thinking these things, but, you know, the old saying that we judge ourselves, but we think we can, are capable of, people judge us by what we achieve and do. And God's looking for us not to be mere talkers and, and hearers of the word. And that was good. That was amazing. And, and just walking out no different. If we're not transformed by the power of God, we serve a powerful God. We had sort of credible testimony here. And that is the most... That is, that is the kingdom of God working in people's lives. 
Father, faithfully praying, never giving up, never, don't go weary in doing good. At the right time, we'll re- re- reap a reward. And so as the body of Christ, we're called to reflect Him. People should come in and say, man, you guys reflect Christ. There's something about you. Um, there's something that's, and as you walk in the Spirit, there's something supernatural that takes place. As you die to self, you know, Paul says, I, I died, in, I died to, to self, I'm alive in Christ. We've got, we've got to be dead to self. Dead, dead people get in the way. And alive people live for Christ, and they exude, and, they, and I, think, I think we settle for too little. We don't, we don't aim for that whole measure of Christ. We don't go for the wholeness that He's placed in us. We sometimes just give up. Life's journeys. Life, listen, this life is tough. Let's get, let's get that out of the way. This life is exceptionally tough. It's exceptionally hard. But Jesus said, take heart. I've overcome this world. What does he mean by overcome? That we just be namers and claimers and walking around, you know, three-piece suits, mansions, and fancy cars, and doing really well on this, and looking at the appearance of doing well. But those who overcome could be the heroes that we see in, in Hebrews, where they didn't give up their faith. For a better resurrection, they chose to die physically. For a better resurrection, it says. And it says these are the heroes of the faith. And it lists out all these things that these people went through, the hardship that they went through. It said they never achieved the goal of their faith. But they were faithful. They didn't give up. Would, you know, is there a point that you will give up in your faith? Okay, God, you pushed me too far. That's, that's it. And that's some, some of what I want to speak about this morning is, is getting everybody on board that they love the bride of Christ the way Jesus loves it. That they seriously love this. They love what because I think sometimes we just die a little bit on the inside to the love of God, to the to the leadings of God. And life we get cuts and bruises. And eventually we just we, we hear in body, but we've dialed out in a lot of ways. What's the least I can give you guys? You know, it's our that, to the leaders. What is what's the least I can do to make ants happy? Not here to make ants happy, obviously, but that's sometimes our actions, isn't it? We say, well. What's the, what's the least I can do? What's the latest I can get here on a Sunday morning as an example? I love the prayer time. Man, the guys who are praying, praying the amount of people there. Are they, I say often the measure of, a, of the health of a church is, is prayer meeting. The people who say, no, my, my prayer counts. My being there in that prayer time really matters. And so um, when I led Durbanville, and uh, for 10 years we handed over about two years ago, Durbanville AM. So we've got to keep qualifying that. We've got three Durbanville now. Um, and we, we dreamt of five, maybe more. That was the minimum. Because Durban was a big area. We've got, got to be reached for Jesus. I said to our leaders, right, if you want to be, if you want to be on a leadership team with me. We had about 70 leaders, I think, at the time. And I said, two things only that are, I'm, I'm putting on you. I'm asking you to do. Not legalistically, but as a measure of your heart. And it should be easy to ask you to do this. Number one, all the leaders at the prayer time. We can't be at the prayer leading by example. What hope have the rest of the, the body got? If we can't break something, open that area. Number two, I want you all to give to that, that Axe Fund. I don't care if you're on the Axe Fund, because some of our guys were on it. They were receiving money, because that's a helps fund, helping people. We, we call to help one another. So even if you give 10 rand, give 10 rand. One rand, it's a, it's, a, it's a hot thing. You know, we don't teach on finance to get money out of you guys. You know that, really. Uh, we don't. We've, that's never been our hearts. In fact, for years, Joshin didn't teach on finance at all. Till the Lord rebuked us. He said, you've not been faithful. Because you looked, Jesus spoke so much about finance. Somebody, I can't remember the exact story now, but there was a bit of a rebuke that came our way. So the teaching on finance is not to get, get money out of you guys. The teaching is to actually 
It's the other way around. It's to get you ready to stand for God one day and say, Lord, I was faithful with the money that you, that your money. That's what it's all. That's the heart of the finance teaching. It's that when you stand before God, that you are faithful with what he entrusted to you. Because everything you've got in this life is a trust. He's trusted you with the gift that he's given you in your life. You're, you're all a gift to us. You know that. To, the, again, to him, actually, to Jesus. So he distributed gifts as he wills. And the gifts are there too. One, um, 12 says to build up the body of Christ, to bless, to, to help the body of Christ. If you're not act, walking in the gifting that God's given you, you're robbing God of what he entrusted to you. So I've given you something. I've given you something. I want you to present it back to me, worn out, tired, used up. I mean, a marriage, we've been married 41 years now. Not as easy as to remember as yours, 1982. So, um, but I'm good at dates. So, so um, but I was entrusted with the, with the daughter of the Lord Jesus, my wife. He said, yeah, here's your, my, one of my daughters. Be faithful with her. Love her like I would love the church. And she's also been trusted with a son of the, of the Lord. We all got to present back what God has given us. So are you walking in the full measure that God's given you? I, I love provoking. Provoking means I want to stretch you. If I haven't stretched you, then I haven't done well here. I want to stretch you to more, not to put a heavy... It's got nothing to do with condemnation or legalism, all that nonsense. It's for you. to Because one, I, because the Bible says as leaders, we've got to present you to Christ. Colossians 1, 28, 29 says we've got to present you to Christ. 2 Corinthians 11 says we've got to, Paul's got to present you as a virgin to the Lord Jesus. Hebrews 13, 17 says we've got to give an account for you guys. We have to stand before God for you, for what we said, what we taught you, how we protected you, how we loved you. All these things, we've got to stand for God. He's going to hold us to account. We've been given a trust. 1 Peter 5 says you've been given a trust of being an elder or a leader. It's a massive trust. When people become elders, we've sometimes God said, actually, I don't know if I really want to be an elder anymore. I didn't realize what it meant. I didn't realize the, that, this is, that I look around the people, I look at them differently now. I've got to stand for God for these guys. I don't know if, I'm, if I feel equipped to do that or if I want to even do that. You're not equipped. Trust us. We, we are the proverbial ducks. I'm stopping the water. We look like we're cool. And we, well, he answered us. The rest of us, not so much. Um, but underneath, he's saying, Lord, help us. We are desperate. This is your church, Lord. Lead and guide us. We don't want to hurt her. And some of you have been hurt by the church. I know I've hurt people over the years. I didn't mean to. But by mis- just clumsiness sometimes, lack of wisdom, I've sometimes hurt people. And uh, if I can, I've gone to them. I haven't always, but... There have been times, I'm sure, that I've actually been clumsy in, in handling the bride of Christ. But I've also been hurt. Who hasn't been hurt? If there's one person in this room who has not been hurt at some point in your life, then I don't know where you've been. Because the church is messy. The church is full of nonsense. But we're still loved by Jesus. He still believes in us. He, he trusts us, even in our weaknesses and our brokenness. He trusts us to lead his people. I, I can't get my mind around, around that. Even Jesus says to Peter, you know, Peter, um, you know, he says, you know, who do, you, who do you, who the people say I am? Who do you say I am? And he says, Peter, based on this, the revelation of he is the Christ, I'm giving you the keys to build my church. He's the initial pastor, leader of the church. He's an apostle. He was a builder. And he has this guy who's about to fail miserably. And Jesus has been perfect, the God of all the ages, the creator of the universe looks at a little created man and says, I'm giving you the keys for my kingdom. I'm trusting you. You're going to fail. You're going to deny me three times. All these things. No, I'll never do that. And, you know, 
And one says to Peter, Peter, you're going to get tested. Satan's asked to test you. He doesn't say, hey, Peter, just remember James. You know, the book of James is going to come one day, but um, telling you what it's going to say. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, you will flee. Don't worry about it. You know, when he, when he does test you, you're going to just cry, sail through it. He doesn't. He says, no, when you've, you're going to fail, basically. And when you fail, when you finish failing and you get back up, strengthen your brothers. So even now the devil's asking, can, I, can he sift you? Can he test you? That's scriptural. Job 1. Uh, Job, Job had done nothing wrong. God said he's a righteous man. And Satan comes into God's presence. And, says, and he says, Satan, God says, where have you been? So I've been wandering around the earth, you know. So have you considered my servant Job? Yeah, but he only serves you because you bless him. Take away some things and then let's see. Jenny? And let's see what what he does then. And what about that applying to your life, granddaughters? <laughs> um, you know, what if, what, if the, what if you're only serving God because things are going well? You've got good health, got some money in the bank. But what if it gets taken away? What will your response be at that point? Now, I believe that you're going to prepare for that, those moments in your, in your heart. Prepare for hardship. If you don't prepare, you won't be, you'll get caught off guard. Because the Bible says, be on your guard. Satan prowls around looking whom he can devour. He is looking all the time, but he is constrained under God. Okay? He cannot do anything, even with the situation of Job. And it looks like a disaster to us what actually happened to Job, even under God's constraints and, and boundaries. But Job came through at the end. And, and see, God's not really that worried about this life. We've, we have put too much emphasis on this life. We, we actually think... Oh, Heaven is eternity is like a bit of an afterthought. Yeah, it's an add-on to this. But actually, we're spirit beings having a temporary human experience. We just, it's, if I was you're aliens, you're just passing through this world. You're like a bit of steam. You ever boil the kettle? If you've got electricity, you can boil the kettle. And, um, and you see the smoke, the steam come out, it just, and it's gone. He said, that's what your life is like. And so as God's people, we've got to hold that intention. Where are we going? We point it towards eternity. That's our goal. That's our aim. And we're not just clawing and hanging in there to get to the end. We want to go through and power in this life, no matter what the circumstances, what comes our way. But if you, if you have wrong theology, poor doctrine, poor understanding of who God is, you are going to get hurt. And I see, that's how preachers can hurt people by their, their false doctrines. There's so much false teaching right now, so much. We are struggling in the church right now to hold the line with our people. Forever we're getting guys... There's so much access to information and teaching, and guys are just tasting everything, and they haven't always got the wisdom to... That's why God gives us elders to sit at the gate, to we're called to, to handle doctrine towards the church, to protect the church. And we'll say to guys sometimes, please don't read that book. It's going to hurt you. No, but I'm, the next thing, they read it, and it, it's, their theology is all shifted and changed, and they go off in the wrong direction. What you believe is going to carry you through this life. Trust me, I've been saved 43 years. Roger, how long have you been saved? How long have you been saved? Sorry, it's hearing aids. 60. How many years have you been saved? You've saved in 1974. It's quite a long time, longer than me. Anyone, any advance on 1974? People have been saved? <laughs> so Roger's our oldest believer here. And ask him what this life is like. And here he's still sitting, serving God. He's been through some tough times in his life. A lot of hardship he's been through, but he's still serving God and, and loving the Lord because he's 
pointed in the right direction. He knows he's God. Good role model. 49. Well done, Ants. Yeah, you, I, just, I, I thought you, I, you, so, you cheated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was, I was going to read a lot of scripture, but... Um, Hmm. Um, I'm just checking out my armory here in terms of Scripture, what weapons to use. Because um, it's through the church, you know, Ephesians, I'm just going to quote Scripture quickly. Ephesians, Ephesians 3, uh, verse 11 and 12, it says, His intent was through the church that he'd make himself known. Ephesians 3, verse 10, uh, through the church he's going to make himself known. You can put up, if you can put up Ephesians 3, 10, if you, if you like. Um, this is it. This is God's plan. A plan is His church that He's going to make Himself known through. Um, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift. You want to go back to verse 7? I'll just start from there. Well, let me read, read it out for us. It's, it's a powerful piece of Scripture. I became a servant of this gospel, Paul speaking, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. So he became a servant by the gift that God gave him. Okay? So we all a gift, as I mentioned. So in his gift, he's now saying, I'm a servant of the Lord God through his power. Although I'm less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. So it's an incredible mystery. Even, even now, we, are, we have such limited understanding of what God has got in store for us which he for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, his intent now through the church, um, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. So Paul said, now I'm suffering right now. I'm in prison and things are not going well. And But through the church, this is the gift that God's given us. So as a church, can we rally today? The point where I'm trying to take us this morning is as a church, could we be in unity this morning? Say, God, you love your church. I want, I'm part of it. Uh, if I've been out of position, if I'm not fully bringing my gift, I'm not walking in the fullness that you've given me, the full, the, whole, the full measure of the wholeness of Christ in me. Today, Lord, I want to change. I choose to change. I want to get back into the fight. If some of you are out of the fight right now, you could just be watching the fight, watching others working and saying, oh, just, you're just hanging around. You're just watching the guys. Would This morning, would you make a decision in your heart to say, Lord, I'm, I want to jump in. I don't know what that means, but it's a faith step that you'd have to take. By faith, say, God, here I am. I'm reporting for duty. I've allowed the things of this world, um, the cares of this world, to choke the life of God out of me. I see Christians so many times having the life of God choked out of them through the worries of this world. Listen, things go wrong, man. Things do go wrong in this world. But the point is, will you get back on track? I was going to share another word this morning about the blue line. So I'll quickly just delve into it. I'm looking to my... Help me to for guidance. I get lost without her. And this story, she wasn't there, so I got into big trouble. Uh, it was in, in the Netherlands about a year and a half ago. And um, I think it's actually an applicable story. It's like another whole word that I, message that I use. Um, if you notice in Josh Jen, we turn a, a verb into a noun. We call it a preach instead of a sermon. Um, anyhow. And uh, 
So I was, we were in, I was in the Netherlands, and uh, my church there in Aldervater, which is just 50 kilometers south of, of Amsterdam. And my youngest son, my granddaughter's uncle, James, uh, uh, my youngest son lives in Amsterdam now for about seven years. And so the, the, the lead elder there says, why don't you borrow my car and take a drive and go and see your son? Now, I've driven left-hand drive cars, but I've never driven really left in the country. Normally, people drive you around, you know. And I said, oh, okay. And I haven't got Jenny normally because she'd hold the GPS. And so I'm sitting in this little car, and the GPS is down by the gear levers. I can't really see it. And, you know, the download maps. I'm not live. I haven't got live information yet. I have to download maps. So I'm, if anything goes wrong, I can't really talk to anybody or anything. So you, I don't know if you've ever, anybody driven on the other side of the road before in a European country or America? You, some of you guys have. Scary, eh? Um, so it's more scary when you, you don't know where you're going. So I'm driving. Normally the GPS would be up. Yeah, you can, yeah, yeah there's the blue line. You've got the gray line, the blue line. And um, I was trying to keep on the blue line, obviously. But the gray line, because, you know, if you get on that, when we, the lady, we call him Mildred, the lady who speaks to us on the GPS. Mildred was speaking to me. And, um, and I was going, suddenly I'm six-lane freeway, I'm on the wrong side, I'm trying to stay out of, not get crashed into anybody. You know, you keep drifting, your muscle memory keeps wanting to take you to the other side of the road, and you see your car's coming at you, and, oh, and where am I? I'm on the blue line, grey line, where am I, you know? And finally I get to Amsterdam, I'm sweating now, and, and, uh, and then Amsterdam, anybody driven in Amsterdam? You have? Okay, and you're still alive. <laughs> I think the police are still looking for me to this day, because um, I was trying to stay on this blue line, and it's one-way streets, and it's built in, I don't know, hundreds of years ago, this whole town, city, and there's bicycle people there, and, and there's hundreds of them, and I think I must have killed a hundred, and uh, wiped them out, taken them out, and uh, they've got rules, and they've got more rights, and sometimes they don't have more rights, and, you know, you're just trying to, and it's just... I'm, I'm, the blue line, I'm on the gray line now. I'm not on the blue line anymore. And Mulder's not talking to me. I'm on my own and lost in Amsterdam. And eventually I just get into, I get into my son's street and there's like a roadworks. And I, I said, that's enough. Because he's not Omkia. Turn around. So I said, no, I'm not turning anything around. I'm just parking right here. And, and I said, I don't care. This call for, phone call cost me a thousand rand. I'm phoning my son right now. I go on live, South African network. James, come and find me. And he just ran to come and find me. But the point of this is, was the blue line, gray line. If you, you, know, you want to hear God's voice. And some of us get off the blue line. And when you get off the blue line, man, it's scary on that gray line. You don't, know, you don't know how to get back now. You're trying to hear the voice and be guarded back. And sometimes it happens in the journey of this life. We get onto the gray line. We get off that blue line that God's called us to. See, God will get us to the end. He's the author and the perfect of our faith. So the journey that he's begun, he will hold us and keep us to the end. He will get us there. But sometimes by our own choices, we, we, in our own rebelliousness, our own just mistakes that we make, whatever it could be, we get onto that gray line. And there's God's blue line. He says, no, no, you're supposed to be over here. And now we can just get stuck in that gray line and go and carry on into nothingness and become a, a statistic. Oh, remember that person? Yeah, I used to come. He used to be part of us. He's gone now. I heard of some elders who left Josh Jen over the years, too, and I can think of now. They left angrily, uh, upset about something. And two guys I know have never gone back to church in 10 years. Never gone back to church. Never mind, okay, you guys are wrong. I'm going to go and find another church. Just walked away from their faith altogether. You do wonder in terms of what, what was their faith, you know. Because the Bible says there will be a separation out of sheep and goats and wool, whatever. At the end, there are, there are wolves that will rise among us. So there's not everyone is what they appear. So people will be tested. 
But will they pass that test? And will they get back on that blue line? Say, Lord, I'm on the gray line right now. But Lord, how do I get back onto that blue line? Sometimes you make that call. Help. Your pride says, no, I'm just carry on in this gray line. I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't want help. I'm not going to ask for help. I'm just going to do this myself. Or I just get bitter, angry, and I'm out of here. And, and another statistic, we hear about your name and uh, he's wandered off angry at the church, bitter, this, that. Uh, guys, I've only been in two churches in 43 years, one in Durban, one in Cape Town. Have I got reason to leave the church over the years? I have. Paul and Barnabas are the two heroes of the faith. Of the, Paul, who wrote virtually the whole New Testament, he had a big fight. It's like Andrew Silly having a big fight with one of us, you know, and a part splitting and parting ways. That's what happened. They said there was sharp disagreement. And then never hear about Barnabas again. And Barnabas used to be leading Paul. Paul, and then later we see a sort of changing of, of roles, Barnabas and Paul. That can happen, folks. But it's, you've got to choose in your heart, Lord, I want to get back in the fight this morning. And old folk, us gray-haired guys and ladies, we tend to dial out. We end up sitting in the back row. We're just doing, what, what's the least I can do? Man, we need the old people back in the fight. We really do. We're desperate for their wisdom, their experience that they've got, and just their, their love that they've learned to walk in. And they've got to show the young folk the way. The young folk don't always know how to, to go forward in God. Um, in Ephesians 4 verse 1, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This morning, I want to urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You've all received a calling, every single one of you. And this group of people, this part of Josh Jen, this part of the body of Christ, and we're not yet to build Josh Jen. We're not yet to build 412. We're yet to build the kingdom of God. The Josh Jen name just identifies us like a family name of a group of people. There's others around the city who are loving the Lord just as much as we do in God's plan and purpose just as much as we are. But if, this is what we know. We've got to be faithful to what God has given us. And we've got to be something that God can use to extend His, His glory in the city and beyond. Do you guys dream of God still using you? I love the faith stories of people just stepping out. You know, we've got guys going all over the world right now. And the, you know what? When we've made most impact into nations, it's when the ordinary people, have, and I say ordinary in, in the best term, uh, the best heart, um, when the ordinary people come with us. I remember we broke into Namibia 20-something years ago, and we'd have 20 people there. And the guys say, who are these guys? Are they all like pastors and leaders in the church? Well, some of them may be leaders, but they, you know, that guy over there, you know, he's, a, he's a plumber, he's a dentist, he's a vet. Um, but they paid their own way to come all the way here. To, what for? Just to be with you and to love you and to, to partner with you in the gospel, to support you. And that's what opened their heart. It wasn't the preaching, the getting up there, the main, the, it was the people. And that's what we need a, as a body of Christ going forward. I want to challenge you guys to stretch yourself in your faith. Don't limit yourself by your budget. Don't limit yourself by your bank balance. Or, about you, or how you see yourself in terms of your, your abilities. Man, you're, you know, God, I'm, fuck, ask Jenny where we came from. We were nobodies. We still are nobodies. But God uses the faithful and the available. I've seen bigger gifted people than me step out of the fight because it got too much. Got sidetracked and, and got caught up. They say sometimes success tests you more than, than failure. I've seen guys experience, wow, money, business, career, wow, church, ah, a little bit lame, you know, compared to this. I've been, I was in the corporate world. My last job was in the corporate, and I came into full-time ministry in my 40s, and 20 years ago now. And um, 
the, having a career is amazing. I mean, it, it's, it's very challenging. Business is, it's got a lot of adrenaline, adrenaline rush to it. There's, a, there's all these things. But I love when I, I meet business guys and they say, you know what? I can, I can live on this amount of money. I don't need a big house. I don't need a fancy car. This is all I need to live on. I want to give the rest to the kingdom. And that's, that's phenomenal. That's attitude. That's, that's catching kingdom values. When people say, you know what? I've been blessed with finance. It's not for me. It's for the kingdom. I just needed this much to live on. Um, I've got a good friend. He's a very high-up guy in the business world. Such an example. Such an example. He just drives an ordinary car, lives in an ordinary house, and he says, no, God's blessed me with finance for the sake of the kingdom. How can I bless? And that's, that's the heart. See, it's a heart thing, not, a, not an outward thing. But the expression will be towards that, won't it? The scripture I quoted earlier, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So every one of us is part of the body of Christ. There we go. And each one of you is a part of it. Do you regard yourself as a part of the body, or do you see yourself as an orphan? You know, do you feel outside? Because you can be lowly in a crowd. People can be sitting in this place right now and feel like I don't belong. You know, I'm a, I'm a phony. I'm, I'm, I'm not, if people really knew, they wouldn't want to be around me. They wouldn't want to hang out with me. And this is the lie of the enemy, quite seriously. Watch out for that. We live in a lonely world where people are lonely in crowds. They're lonely when they should be in family. Break that. If you've got a fear over you of, of, of um, hanging out with people, um, break that. Um, God is powerful, man. He can break and set people free. Some of the old Durbanville guys who were with me in Durbanville AM will remember a lady called Anari. And I don't know if I've used the story of Anari before. Have I? You all know Anri? You know the story of Anri? Okay, huh? No. No, okay, you don't know. Okay. For, that, for them, I'll tell the story again, okay? So we're sitting in a leaders' meeting about this amount of people, I think it was. Anri's an actuary, which is quite a smart person in this world. And uh, she's in charge of our Axe Fund, actually. A lot of Axe there, Axe, Axe Fund, actually. And actuary. And um, in the meeting, we're going around, you know, hey, worship team, tell us how it's going, kids' church, what's happening, all these type of things. Everyone's getting feedbacks, so everyone's on the same page. And Anri was sitting over there, someone said, Anri, why don't you just tell us how the Acts Fund is going? She went red, bright red. She was froze. She couldn't move. She just sat there. I mean, one of the most awkward situations I've had in my life, you know. So I had to quickly sort of move on. And after I went to her, I said, Anri, I'm so sorry. Eh? I didn't mean to do that. She says, no, you do that again. I want to break the fear of man. I cannot be like that if God wants to use me. And today, she'll stand up in front of you and talk and give about anything. She's made a choice. This is a fear of man that I've got. It's not, getting, it's not helping God at all. It's not, not of God. This is demonic. I'm going to break this thing in Jesus' name. And she did. And she's a totally different person. And so that applies to all of us. That's quite an extreme story. But a lot of us here have a fear. And we've got to break our fears. It's good to have a fear of God, but a fear of man and, and a demonic fear is not healthy to have. And so let's be those who take these things on because before you know it, your life will be over and you won't have gone through life with fears and phobias and all sorts of nonsense that have kept you back from God using you. So even this morning, if we want prayer for anything, let's pray, man. Come on, let's be a people. We're in this together. Let me tell you, every one of you right now is probably examining your own life. You should be. I'm, I'm forever examining my life. Say, Lord, how am I doing? What do I need to do to change to become more like you in our land? Live a life worthy of the calling, as I said in Ephesians 4. Um, holy, dedicated people to God. Shall we stand? Shall we pray? In fact, there's an urgency of the hour, eh?
It's an urgency of the hour. Recently, we were in Gauteng, and we had a quick time there with all the churches around. Most of the well, KZN came through, and Blimpopo, and Mpumalanga, all those guys came through for that time. And, and Ryan Kingsley used to lead our city bowl. He preached the first night on church, get ready. And one of the most anointed words I've ever heard, if I encourage you to listen to it, is on the 412 site of church, get ready. It was such a strong word. I mean, I've heard words like that before, but this word really struck us. It was like a wow moment afterwards. And there was about 800 folk in that place, and it was in Bedford View, a meeting, and I just felt to dismiss the whole meeting. I've never done anything like it before in all the years of leading. I got up and I said, guys, everybody go home now and go and process this word. Don't talk to anyone on your way out, because normally you should that was a good meeting, good word, well done, Ryan, pat him on the back, you know, really meant a lot to me. Now, if it really means a lot, then let's, let's digest it. Let's process it. Let's be transformed by it. This is a now word. This was a key word. So even now, the point of that was, if God is speaking right now, then let's process it. Let's take it on board, because as you walk out the door, there'll be a lot of it. You will get attacked, I know. And don't, don't get scared. Of, don't ever get scared of attacks on the enemy, okay? Don't panic about it. No, you know, all know, be armed with that knowledge. He is going to test you. He is going to tempt you. Um, but be prepared. So the point, what I'm saying, if you're getting tested, you walk out the doors, it'll, you'll get distracted. Okay, what's for lunch? What's next? What are we doing this afternoon? How's oh, the Grand Prix tonight? Um, and then before you know it, God's word is just lost. This is the word. I really believe we're preaching the word of God. And God, his word comes here to test, to challenge us and to stretch us into more. We've got to be changed by the Word of God. We cannot be but impacted by what God is saying. He backs it up with His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, to touch lives. And I believe if you respond to this Word this morning, to present yourself, to, to say, Lord, here am I. I want to get healed. I think the words were coming through in terms of forgiveness. I think some of you need to forgive. It's one of the most basic things we have to deal with continuously in the church and keep revisiting it. Even in, yeah, when I was in Benoni now, Preached on, at the end, we end up in forgiveness. And I tell you, so much of the church came forward weeping and crying just of what God, because, it's, because you will, things will happen in this life. And there will always be a reason to have to forgive and to work on your hearts and to, be, and to set, be set free. So let's close our eyes right now. Close your eyes before God. And let's, let's allow the Lord to work in us. If there's anyone that you need, if you've been hurt by a previous church leader or even in this church, if we've hurt you in any way, won't you forgive? For your sake, for your sake, and for this, actually and mostly for his sake, for Jesus' sake. Because he wants his church to come into the fullness. He wants it to walk in the whole measure that's been poured out. The full measure of the wholeness of Christ. We want that, whole, that, full, that the whole, full measure of the wholeness of Christ in us right now. Not, we've, not partial. Lord, come and heal us. Just lift up your hands to him right now. and Say, Lord, come and heal me. And that could apply to virtually every one of us. Because weekly, daily, yearly, you are going to get challenged in this area to not be in unity. And unity is of, of heart. And it's before God say, Lord, I choose to line up with your truth this morning. I want to forgive. The person may not ask for forgiveness, but you just forgive from your side. When Jesus hung on the cross and he was in extreme pain and taking our sin upon him, self, he didn't like, snarl at the guys down below who were torturing him, making, who were killing him. He said, Father, forgive them because they know not what they're doing. They didn't ask for forgiveness, but he forgave them nonetheless. This morning, just forgive from your heart. 
Just picture any, the thing came, the word came from that lady this morning about leaders. Because um, we can't go forward if we're not trusting our leaders. There needs to be a trust in God's leaders. Church is not man-made, it's God-made. And we've got to trust His leaders in all their frailty and mistakes that they make. We've got to choose to trust. Love always trusts, 1 Corinthians 13. So this morning, let's focus on leadership. If you've been hurt by leaders in any way, if we were to say, okay, let's go forward now, would you be able to come forward with us without hesitating? Or would there be a hesitation before you responded? I'm not sure if I can. I'm not sure if I trust your voice. I trust Jesus. Well, you've got to trust. If you trust Jesus, you've got to trust the leaders that he appointed over you. Forgive right now. Set yourself free. Not setting the leaders free. Setting yourself free. And in doing so, the, the, the church will come into wholeness. church will come into health. And the church will be able to reflect Christ as she should. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. Come and touch us right now as your people. I saw the link up this morning, actually. It's a very good... This, this, two days ago, I suddenly saw the link up between the fivefold ministry given to the church... And then it goes down into the scripture I'm focusing a lot on about the wholeness and the fullness. You don't walk in that unless you're walking under the fivefold ministry. If you're not exposed to that fivefold ministry and trusting it, input into your life, you will not, will not, according to scripture as we read it there, you will not walk in the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. It's all in context. It's one piece, one part of the, the same letter. These gifts are called to bring us into maturity and unity to walk in the wholeness and the fullness of Christ. Father, I pray a blessing over us as your people this morning. I pray for freedom. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for those who may be struggling that, Lord, they'll be set free right now in Jesus' name. Just receive right now. Receive healing. Receive healing in your heart, in your mind, in your emotions. I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. If you need to come and talk to any of us after this, please do so. We are really want to walk you through and help you in this. Do not leave here without sorting things out. It may not be with us, but it could be someone else that just wanted to work. If you want individual prayer or anything, please do that.